Hello and welcome to episode 242 of the Punter Podcast. I'm Chris Barnett. The Tingle Creek and the rearranged Fighting Fifth are now the highlights of the Sandown race card on Saturday. We also have racing over the national fences at Aintree when they line up in the Beecher Chase. On Sunday, the international meeting is the biggest and most exciting race day at Hong Kong's Sha Tin Racecourse where the world's greatest horses meet. City AM Racing Editor Bill Esdale joins Wally Pyra, who is currently in Hong Kong, to preview the very best of this weekend's racing, both in the UK and Hong Kong. So a little bit different this week. We're going to start with Hong Kong on Sunday. It's a really big meeting out there, Shartin Racecourse. It's a 10-race card with four fantastic Group 1 races. And to that end, Wally Pyra has gone on a plane, or what is a boat? I don't know, we'll find out. Because he's out there in Hong Kong, he's been enjoying the weather, he's been enjoying Happy Valley on the Wednesday night, and he's there ready for us to talk about the Sunday. Wally, how's Hong Kong? Chris, couldn't be better. As you were right, it was the weather's glorious in the 25 degrees, but let's forget about the asides. Um, The racing on Wednesday was just fantastic. Um, The International Jockeys Challenge. But as you say, this is the flagship event of the whole year in Hong Kong. It's the HKIR or the Longines, sponsored by Longines, Hong Kong International Races. Four races uh, worth nearly £12 million in prize money. So you can imagine what we're talking about there. Um, and But for the local interest in Hong Kong, it's the first time since COVID, the COVID um, regulations have gone clear. So on Sunday, we're going to see 50,000 or around 50,000 people uh, descend onto the racetrack, maybe more, I don't know, but that's what we're, uh, what, well, obviously the Hong Kong Jockey Club are hoping for, four mm. races, as we've said, um, but to all the local interest is that they've got their legendary equine icons running, Golden 60 and Romantic Warrior. That's what they'll all be wanting to see. When those two races are being run, you can guarantee that the city will go quiet in all the um, the restaurants, the market stalls, the cab drivers, they'll all stop and want to listen to these races. So that is why it is such a big event coming on Sunday. And Wally Pyra back in town as well. well what more <laughs> could they want? Well, no, you're actually right. I can't believe what it just shows that I can't ever have been forgotten. It's four years since I've been there, walked into the track on Wednesday at Happy Valley, and you've got the security guy checking everybody carefully when they came in. And then he suddenly looked to me and go, oh, long time no see. Wow. <laughs> and I said, what, four years and you remember me? He said, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Where have you been? Well, well, where have I been? Well, there you go. What you don't know, what you don't know, Wal, is that he went back into the tea room and he said to everyone, I've just seen the ghost of Wally Pyra. <laughs> It's, it's amazing how long those international police warrants last, isn't it? It's amazing. I didn't, didn't realise they last as many as four years. 
<laughs> they'll let you home, I'm sure. Hey, we're going to talk about Golden 60 shortly, because he's been drawn next to McDonald's, isn't he? Way out in Fortune. But we'll have a word with Wally about that and how the locals are going to treat that terrible news of the draw in 14. That's not going to be good. But um, atmosphere at Happy Valley was great. It's going to be great on, on Sunday, isn't it, Wally? And for you going back, how, how were the feelings, apart from meeting your security guard friend? It must have been lovely to go back. It always is to return to a, a foreign place where you've lived for a few years. Yeah, it was, you know, like six, seven years I lived there. And, um, yeah, it was It was lovely to see a lot of friends, colleagues go out for dinners. Um, yeah, it was just a wonderful thing. The only interesting thing, and I have to say, um, was that yesterday, Thursday, was the the final strong gallops of the horses. And I cannot believe that I got back from Happy Valley at 11.30 in the evening. Mm-hmm. And at, at four o'clock the following morning, I was up getting to one of the local cabs with Mr. Jim McGrath, ex of the Telegraph and BBC commentator. Mm-hmm. And we got there, we got to Charlton at five 5.30 to see... Golden 60, do his winding up gallop. So that shows that I was on the job, doing the job properly. Well, obviously, working with Bill Esdell, who's on the podcast, on the Hong Kong podcast as well today, I'm sure you said to the taxi driver when he asked for the receipt, just make sure it's down as 4.40 when we're leaving here, mate. Just put it in there. <laughs> <laughs> just so, so no. Bill knows I've been on track and not not down in the bars. Because I think he, he suspects you've been in the bar or two while you've been over there. I'm not sure if that's true or not. Listen, Chris, just remember when you said that about receipts. I don't need any receipts because I don't get expenses. So let's let's pass over on that and move on. Wow. We're going to obviously talk about the um, Hong Kong Vars. That is the first uh, race. Unfortunately for people, they're going to have to set their alarm clocks early because the, the Vars is the first of the four races, which is run at 6.10 in the morning. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you've got a part of an interest, you're going to have to get up early and get that alarm clock going. Now, what we've got in this race is that We've got Warm Heart, the Aidan O'Brien horse. This is for the um, obviously for interest over in the UK. We all saw that run second, desperately unlucky when it was behind in Spiral, got caught by in Spiral in that race. He's looked very well in his track work uh, this this week. Has a big chance, however, however, he's a, he's a she, but he's a she by the oh, way. Oh, she. Sorry, I, I sorry, she. You. Yes, yeah, sorry, a she. I think you've made that mistake a few times this week, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, witty, witty, witty. We have to listen. Anyway, let's 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 go back on a more serious note here. Got a big chance, obviously strongly fancied, but will she win? No, I don't. Despite what William or Bill will say, the horse you've got to be on. Is this horse called Lebon Steel, right? The Japanese challenger. This horse has improved out of out of all recognition this season. Finished up winning um, a Group Two um, in September. Ran away from his rivals in the closing stages. Since then, he's just been trained specifically for this race, and they've even gone to great trouble to get Marrera, the magic man, back on board because he was obviously getting a 
to ask to ride other horses. No, he's stuck with this Levin steel. He'll be very, very hard to beat. I would have fancied it with the other Japanese horse, Sharja, who came out of the race on Thursday morning. Big chance. I think it will win. We can't forget about West Wind Blows, who was second in the uh, Caulfield Cup, similar position in the Turnbull Stakes, and Zephyrio. That's another improving Japanese horse. But this is the race. Japan have won the eight out of the last 10 runnings of this um, contest. Going to be very hard to beat. Bill, what do you reckon? Warm heart, she got caught really close home, Santa Anita, by in spiral and a great ride by Frankie on that occasion. Ryan's on board again, of course. He's got the four rides for Aiden throughout uh, Sunday. But Liebensteel, the, the Japanese horse, is he just too good for these? Yeah, it could be. Um, I mean, the the key with Warm Heart is back back to a mile and a half. That was a mile and a quarter uh, in America last time. Uh, I, I was a bit surprised Aiden didn't have a pacemaker in here for, for Warm Heart. It just worries me a little bit that they dawdle, uh, you know, small field, nine runners, runners over a mile and a half. Wally's mentioned in the past, you know, they don't really have races over this distance out there. And if they walk the first half mile and it turns into a bit of a dash, look, Warm Heart's got gears. Uh, we don't know an awful lot about Lebensteel. We know the authority that Japanese horses have globally uh, over middle distances now. So, so you're kind of respecting. There's one piece of form uh Wally touched on the, the the latest kind of winner winner grade two level that could be very good um but for me got to prove it on the track I I would still be with warm heart here uh nice low draw with with Ryan uh, I'd like him to keep it quite simple and go out and go forward with his horse um and try and stay out of trouble and set his own fractions I know that's not something they they, they tend to do uh, with her, but I think I think she might just be the one they've got to beat. But um, maybe the safest play wall is is to tie the two of them up in a Cronella, Warm Heart and Lebensteel Steel, because they look the obvious too. The, as I say, the, the other Japanese horses like that uh, Zephyr, what's it called, Zephizo, West Wind Blows is very difficult to leave out, despite it disappointed last time out. But I'm I I would be disappointed if um, Lebensteel Steel doesn't win that race, despite. Warm heart, a uh, warm heart being in it. West Wind Blows is another one that wants a strong pace, and, I, and it's just a lot. That's why I just thought that Aiden might run two or three of the others in here, some of those old mile and a half horses, just to to make it a real test. Uh, but he obviously, you know, he's a better trainer than I am. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so he knows what he's doing. Well, Hong Kong trainers may find it tough to win the Vars over a mile and a half, but at six fifty, we've got the Hong Kong Sprint, the Group One over six furlongs with a hopeful field of 10 going to post for this, and they would have a great chance and many hopes of winning us with Lucky Swainess in there, with the Zach on board. Wellington is back again now, trained by Jamie Richards, uh, having run behind Lucky Swainess at Chartin in November, having bombed out at Ascot in the Royal Meeting in June. Uh, we've also got other horses in there from Hong Kong. We've also got Aiden's horse, Aesop's Fables goes there with Ryan on board. And right down at the bottom, that's because she's a mare, she's a six-year-old mare, and she's a winning mare as well. Highfield Princess turns up for John Quinn. And, and what a big night for Jason Hard it's going to be. It's going to be a, a really big day for them. Win, lose, or draw. Highfield Princess in the race. Wally, how did you see 
her chances up against the locals? Right. Well, first of all, it's very. It's it's probably you only get Hong Kong. Hong Kong sprinters are normally probably the best in the world. Right. They haven't been over the last few years, um, but Japan hasn't haven't had too many great sprinters. Well, you know, we go back to the um, the years of Maurice and Lord Canna. Cananola, who was absolute legendary uh, winner, but this time we've got Lucky Swainess. Now, Lucky Swainess, whatever you think, is the um, top-rated sprinter in the world on the official figures. But this season, a lot of people have crabbed his performances in the respect that he's run three times, he's been beaten twice, and he won last time out. Pretty underwhelming, you'd say, on that. So let's look to see if you can find anything to beat him. And the real thing is, there is nothing in this race to beat him. I mean, I, I spoke to Purton, and Purton said to me, look, everybody's having a go about this horse, but the fact is that, what is it? He's won 14 of his 19 races, so he can't be that bad. They have a go about the trainer running him once every month, but the horse still keeps winning. When he's been beaten twice this season, he's been giving lumps of weight because he's running two handicaps. He gave one run. In the first time he ran, he was giving a horse 20 pounds. Victor, the winner, one of the rivals in this race, okay, got beat um, a length, two lengths on softish ground. The next time he ran, he ran against Sight Success. Um, he was giving that horse 15, 16 pounds was just beaten a short head. Now, he meets these horses on level terms. So that's what he's telling you. Next time out when he won, yes, it was pretty underwhelming. But the fact is, he wasn't going to get beat. And in that race, he had Wellington in it. Now, well, that was Wellington's first run for, since Royal Ascot. Guaranteed, you would say, he's going to improve. And he will do. And he looks the obvious threat. But... What worries me is the form of the stable, Jamie Richards' stable. Now, I'm a great fan of this um, this guy, Jamie Richards. But the fact is that he's gone, what is it? I was looking at it, I was looking it up. He's now gone 26. 26 runners and 14 days since his last win. Yeah, 26, uh, 14. But what worries me that on Wednesday, when I fancied a few of his horses at Happy Valley... They ran appallingly. So it, it just worries me about that. Um, Lucky Swain, this is the obvious horse. I see that some people are making it odds against now, but I can't see anything against it. Wellington is the obvious threat. And then after that, you've got Highfield Princess, we talk at the bottom. Now, Highfield Princess, the the... The great British horses, they just don't win this race. The last time we ever had a horse that was fancy win this race, what was it, Blue Point? The Godolphin horse came into this race with a big chance. Well, it, it disappeared in a cloud of smoke coming round the bend. So that's what that's puts me off Highfield Princess, as well as she's had a pretty long season anyway. So... It has to be Lucky Swainess. I know it's favourite. I know it's a short price, but I really don't see anything get, beating it as long as it gets its normal run. 
He got beat in it last year when he had a terrible passage on the rails, got um, up in the air when Wellington won it. But he's better drawn this time. And as I say, I cannot oppose Lucky Swainers. OK, Wally's gone for two favourites out of two races so far. So we, we go for Bill and get the expert yeah, view. You had to go all the way out there, Wally. You just headline unnamed favourite. <laughs> captured through the card. Um, we, yeah, we, no, we, Wally, about, about the kind of Euro horses, um, Blue Point came out for it. It was actually the Champions Day sprint in April rather than um, rather than this one in December. But it's still the six furlongs. It's still, it's still the same track and he still finished last on ground that was probably too quick and just the bend that catches him out. I expect the same will probably happen with Highfield Princess. I respect them for, for doing it and, and, and going out and giving it a go. Um, but running at speed and then hitting a bend is 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 a very different test on very fast ground. I wouldn't be with Highfield Princess. Look, if you want to hoover up the value, get the odds against Lucky Swayness because win, lose or draw, Lucky Swayness will go off, I don't know, well, 1.6, 1.7 over there will definitely yeah. be Near, nearer four to six than 11 or 10. So you're getting value if you take the 11 or 10 that's available with the UK firms. I've just got a feeling that Wellington is going to run really well. I know what Wally says, Reed, Jamie Richards, and the, the stable form, which is a concern. Um, Wellington kind of disappointed in his prep last year and then came back in probably um, a, a warmer race maybe than, than this year. He's got blinkers on for the first time. He's got a nice low barrier draw. He'll take a step forward from his last run. Um, look, he probably won't be good enough to beat Lucky Swayness, but I think they're the two. It's very hard to try and envisage one of the others taking a big enough step forward to shake those two up. Um, but I reckon that Lucky Swayness will go through. It's just whether Wellington can swoop alongside him and and, and take him from a value point of view. Eleven to two, six to one, each way was is a no brainer for me. Um, I, I think he can win the race, Wellington, and he will carry my money. Okay, that's at 6.50. There's a bit of a gap then. We have some regular races, non-group races, and we come back at 8 o'clock with the launching Hong Kong Mile, which, as it says, is over a mile, and it's a big field of 14. But, uh, Wally, this is all about Golden 60, drawn in store 14, the widest draw. I saw a quote from his trainer saying it's not ideal. We're going to have to see it because he needs to be held up. He needs to get into a position. And over here in the UK, Golden 60, you run about 15 to 8, taking on California Spangle, about 13 to 2. Got Beauty Eternal, got Beauty Joy in there. They're 8 and 16 to 1. Uh, and we've got uh, others in there as well. The French are going to have a go uh, with Tribalist in this one. Andre Farb takes that one over from France to, uh, to try. And Aiden's got Cairo in this one. Uh, has the draw, you know, depressed a few of the locals who really want golden 60 to shine on sunday morning well yes you're right in the respect that um golden 60 really and truly has a monumental task now i mean to be drawn next to the shingmon river in barrier 14 is a is a real hell of a task and the reason i say that is because vincent ho he says he, the ideal uh, the ideal scenario is to have him to sit in midfield and then make his run wide into the straight, show his trademark turbo charge, shoots down. But it, it can't happen like that this time because there's too many horses that will shoot out of the barrier that are quicker than him 
And if he tries to move up into midfield on early, he undoubtedly will be caught wide and then he'll cover more ground than any of the other horses. So I, the only way I can see, and of course I could, I'm not the jockey, but the only way I can see is that he's going to have to go back to last to start the first of up in the race. And then that causes problems because what is he going to do? Is he going to come wide into the straight, which is going to a lot of ground away, or does he take a chance and bob and weave his way down the home straight and hope that he's got it in time? This is really big problems for him. The other thing is he's an eight-year-old, so he, you can't expect him to be improving anymore. He he must have plateaued. So what, you know, and we know that even at, when he plateaued, he was still the wonderful racehorse that he is. But you've just got this feeling, or I have got this feeling, that when they kick and go for home with two furlongs to run, that he may be making ground, but can he make ground as quickly as the horses that are in front have got four or five lengths starting. So that would that definitely worries me. Mm -hmm. California Spangle needs to lead up to show his best form. He did it. Hugh Bowman, the first up this season, rode the jockeys to sleep when he won, when he hadn't trialled all that well and there was bad vibes about it. But next time he came out behind... Um, uh, the uh, John Size horse. What was it called, Bill? Jo um, Beauty. Beauty Eternal. Beauty Eternal. Thank you. Yeah. In that race, he ran a horrible race in that race. And I've just got a feeling that he may just, well, he's certainly not as good as he was. And I think he'll be hard pushed to be able to lead without being under pressure before they turn into the stretch. So, we start going down some of these horses. I'm I'm interested in a couple of the Japanese horses here, which is a name Namur and Sephiroth. And the reason I like I watched the replay of um, a Namur winning the Group One Championship uh, recently at Kyoto, which was a very impressive performance. Came from the clouds and won with a clear-cut fashion, had a word with one or two of the big uh, scribes from uh, Japan who were over here at present, and they were saying how impressed they were by this horse. He's just, he's, that, that was a, a career a career best from this horse. It's got Damien, Damien Lane on it, who's a great jockey anywhere he's riding now, um, riding now. So he's got a big chance, but... I I would go for the horse, a Sephiroth. Um, the reason I'd go for Sephiroth is because he finished eighth in the race won by Namur. But what I liked about it was his first run since June. So he'd had a break up to about 100 metres from the line. You thought he was going to win. And then con his condition gave gave out. He won the Group 1 Championship mile last season in Japan. And again, I've watched him in his track work this week, and he looks a serious racehorse. So my choice would be Sephiroth and the danger. And as I say, if he hadn't got an awkward barrier, this Namur, I probably would have put him up. But 
These would be my two horses against the field. They're both fair prices, I think. I believe, aren't they? They're eight, eight or ten to one. These two horses. Am I right there, Bill? Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're eight and elevens. Yeah, they are. They are eight, eight and elevens. What? Name your is eleven to one. Is it round that price? Yeah, I think the best price. The best price you can get. You can get. Well, you fun enough. You can get ten Seraphus and you can get elevens. Name year. Yeah, well, I think I just think they are real value for money each way plays in a race where we know you're talking about 15 to 8, Golden 60. Golden 60 can't start that price in Hong Kong because the whole of the, the, whole of the betting public will have their dollars on this horse. They'll just bet it blindly. They don't. They won't worry about the problems about him being drawn fourteen, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He'll start at a very short, a very short price, but there's no value in him at all. So I will go for the two um, Japanese horses with which I'm going with Sephiroth. I'm preferring Sephiroth over Namia. Um, I was going to ask, well, why is Marrera riding Soul Rush and not Namur? He rode this soul rush last uh, last time it ran. He came back after he, he he bobbed and weaved his way through, got in front, and then he got chinned on the line. And he, he wasn't happy himself by the way he rode it. And I think he said to the connections after the race, look, um, I should have won on that horse. I'll ride it next time it runs when you when you run it in Hong Kong. So that's what he did. That's why he's riding, because he gave the promise that he would ride it. Bill, how do you see this race then? I mean, we've got uh, the Japanese horses that Wally mentioned. Golden 60, you know, the draw has just done him over, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just going to be this bit of a tactical mess because California's band will want to go up it out in front, try and stack him up, turn it into a bit of bit of a dash. Like Wally says, you know, Golden 60s, 15 to 8, it'll be probably even money in Hong Kong if not shorter. Um, you've got California Spangle at 13 to 2. He'll probably be shorter in Hong Kong. Uh, if he returns to the form that he was in, he can stack him up and go again. He'll probably end up doing too much. Um, look, I, I'm not going to add anything to, to what Wally said. Um, for me, it was probably playing similar to all Japanese horses at bigger prices. You know, the Seraphos, Namur, Sol Rush. Um, Sol Rush was the one that, I just thought was overpriced over here because he's 16s um, with Coral, which I just thought was too big uh, on the basis that, you know, he's very closely tied into Namur. Um, and look, none of that lot have been drawn particularly well. Um, you know, Soul Rush in, in, in 11. And um, I, I see Wally's shout on Seraphos. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a race to watch for me. Okay, the fourth group one of the day. Is at eight forty, and it's the Longines Hong Kong Cup over a mile and a quarter. And and Wally, this is all about romantic warrior for the locals, isn't it? James McDonald, J Max on board for Danny Shum, one last time out only by a short head, but he did win, and it was a a really big race when he won the Cox Plate, the Group One, over there in Australia. Terrific performance, terrific ride by J Mac on that occasion, and he's taken on Luxembourg amongst others from Aidan O'Brien's yard, who he thinks he's got a really good chance, but is it romantic worry for you here? No, it's not, actually. And and I'll give you the reason why. 
R- romantic warrior first. I mean, it, that goes down into Hong Kong racing folklore. That does the fact, the mere fact that he won the Cox Plate. You know, he's the champion of Hong Kong. With we, we talk about Golden Sixty, but he did such a long lot for Hong Kong racing, Danny Shum, by sending that horse over and winning the Cox Plate. I.e., okay, he only won by a short head nose, whatever it was. Um, always interesting. When horses go away from home and they spend their times in another country, they come back. Let's see, you know, hopefully he comes back in the same sort of form that he left Hong Kong. Um, my worry about uh, with Romantic Warrior is that he's going for history. He won what was it he, uh, last year? He well, say last season. He won all the big. He won all the big races. Uh, last season, he won the three um, the QE2 Cup. He won this race last year. He won the other race uh, and champions, uh, not on Champions Day. He won the three big races over in Hong Kong. But I have looked at the form of the QE2 Cup in uh, April, where he won again with an em- emphatic two lengths victory. However, Two lengths behind him in that race was the Japanese horse called Prognosis. And the only thing I will tell you about this is that having spoken to one or two people closely associated with this horse, that in that race, the Jock Purton said he was given the wrong instructions of how to ride the horse. Now, if anybody wants to watch it on tube, on YouTube, etc., etc., you will see that Romantic Warrior was in the right place at the right time, and this horse prognosis was last. While while Romantic Warrior was kicked and went on to win the race in comfortable style, style prognosis had to bob and weave his way through, got stopped, had a checkered passage through. Once he got clear, he shot He shot through at the last, uh, um, the last 100, 150 metres or fur, whatever it is, a furlong and a half, and uh, um, was beaten two lengths. You wonder what it would have been like if he had been in the same place like, um, the same place as Romantic Warrior. Purton was desperate to ride the horse again. But unfortunately, um, the stable connections, um, because of the stable, he got Kawada riding it. Well, Kawada, is, listen, is champion jockey in Japan and he's, champ- he's he, he, up with Christophe Lemaire. He's as good as anybody in the world. So I'm going to go with prognosis. I know that Romantic Warrior will be probably most of the pundits, banker bet, of the four races or of the meeting. But I would like to take a chance with prognosis. It's obviously not a two-horse two race, especially when you got Luxembourg. From what I'm hearing is that Luxembourg will probably go out up at, um, out in front. So he'll be given a good searching gallop here by Ryan Moore. Um I don't think that's going to stop Romantic Warrior because he likes the trip and certainly won't stop prognosis. Um, if you're interested in a a bit a one off the uh, you know a bit of an outsider, have a look at this Rushan Park again from Japan, and I seem to be tipping J- Japanese horses all through the meeting, um, purely and simply 
He's won four of his five races this year, so he's obviously improved. I've watched him in his track work a couple of times, especially on um, on Thursday, and I was really impressed. He looks so he really tanked along in this um, in his gallop. So that would be one of my well, I say an outsider. I don't know what he is. He's, uh, he's a, a t- 11, 11 or two. Well. <laughs> He's not, is he really? Yeah. See, the trouble he, is, you can't. You'll get you'll get altitude sickness picking one that price. Well, be careful. Well, no, listen, you have to take it here, William. You're not allowed to. You don't. Everything gets barred. You can't get into betting sites around here. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So quite... is he only? Is he eleven to two? Was he bigger than that? No, no, it's, it's it's kind of how. I mean, you can get bigger. Just think, he'll he he. He's an interesting one for me, and I think he'll probably be a bigger price in Hong Kong than what he's in the UK. But I've got to stick with prognosis. I've fancied it for quite a long time, and um, I'm going to stick with the horse despite Romantic Warrior. Romantic Warrior wins. Fantastic news for Hong Kong. But I just think that this horse will run very well and could cause a little bit, only a little bit of a surprise. So, Bill, the Hong Kong Cup, Romantic Warrior, about 13 to 8. Prognosis, 11 to 2. And Luxembourg, about 7s. They're the best prices you can get if you search around a bit. Any chance that Aiden can win this? Or do the Japanese have a big chance? You, you could do. I mean, it, it, it all revolves around Romantic Warrior. If if he's taken Australia in his stride, he'll win. If he hasn't, he won't. He was trained for this race last year. He was trained for the big race in Australia this year. So that's the worry with him. I think Wally's probably got it spot on. I think prognosis 11 to 2 um, with Labricks each way is probably the shout. I think he's just a, a, a rock solid each way uh, bet against him. The French Raider, we haven't mentioned, Horizon Door. Also, I've always been keen on, got stuck in the mud on Champions Day. Um, whether he'll be in the right spot, but he's a strong traveller that will uh, be appearing late. Um, look, I I think Wally's got it right. I, w- I won't overcomplicate things. I think prognosis, if you can get the 11 or 2 each way, you've got a nice a nice bet against Romantic Warrior. And Wally, just to finish off before you, you head off for some more food and dim sum buffets, etc., how much excitement is there in you? And you've been there a long time. You've, you've lived over there. You've worked over there. How excited are you looking forward to these four races on Sunday? Oh, uh, undoubtedly. It's it's one of my highlights of the season. Even when I worked over here, it was still one of my highlights, um, especially this week of the IJC at Happy Valley and then obviously the Longines uh, races. They're four wonderful races. Um, the Hong Kong Jockey Club obviously make a big effort to promote this um, this flagship event for, um, for Hong Kong racing. And it's certainly come up trumps. And the great thing about it, this, as I say, which I led early on, was to say because of the COVID, we only had short, small crowds and this, that and the other for the last uh, three or four years. Now, suddenly, we're going to get 50,000 people plus there. Sets it up. So you've got this, what I call the extravaganza. And uh, I just hope that it's a great meeting. Uh, personally, from a betting point of view, I'm not sure that I want the likes of Golden 60 and um, Romantic Warrior to win. But if they do, it's great for Hong Kong racing and it's great for the city. Great stuff. We can watch it all Sunday morning on Sky Sports Racing here in the UK. 
Bill and Wally. Thanks very much, Wally. Have a safe trip home. We'll speak to you next week. Speak to you next week. All right. Thanks very much. Bye. Okay, well, that's all the action coming up on Sunday in Hong Kong. Should be a fantastic meeting. Can't wait for that. You can watch it on Sky Sports Racing on Sunday morning. Now, a day before, hopefully, weather-wise, we're going to be racing at Sandown and Aintree. They're the two venues we're going to look at. And looking at the weather over here, Bill, for this week, it's been pretty dire, hasn't it? We've had snow, then that turned to ice, and then it turned to rain. Loads of abandonments, cancellations. Sandown looks pretty much okay from what I've seen on the, the tweets and, and mails and stuff coming through. But what about the weather for you? What, what do you think we're going to get? It's going to be soft at least. Could it be heavy? Yeah, I mean, definitely on the hurdles track. Um The weather forecast isn't as bad as it was. There was a lot of rain scheduled Friday. That seems to have gone. So the meeting should be fine, famous last words. Uh, but I suppose it's just what, what rain falls on Saturday because it looks pretty wet on Saturday. So you're going to get rain falling on already quite soft ground. So I'm working on the basis that the hurdle course will be pretty soft, um, probably heavy in places, and chase course will, will, will be soft. But I think we'll be okay. I think we'll get a meeting, but I think it'll be hard work. Looking at the weather, Nicky Henderson's been in the news pretty much all week. Constitution Hill, John Bon. Jitter and Shiskin as well. In the 115, the fighting fifth, over two miles, the dog wants to get involved as well. He's got a word about Nicky Henderson too. But Constitution Hill, he's going to be, you know, two to nine, four to one on. But is he going to run? What do you think? I think he'll run. I think Nicky will be desperate to get it, get him started. I think he's the same applies for Shiskin. He wants to run Shiskin in a King George. He's got to get a run under his belt. So, I think he'll be desperate to run them. We know Constitution Hill handles bad ground. If it got really heavy, and I mean really heavy, then they might have to question whether they want to begin putting the guts out of him. But we know how effective he was um, when, when he won over course and distance um, in, in his early days. You know, so we, so we know the Tollworth he kind of won in a procession here. He's he's. I think I think they'll both run. Okay, so looking at the 115 in the uh, Fighting Fifth, we've got six runners. I think you wear it well, was added to the list, wasn't it, from uh, Jamie Snowden's yard. He decided to go for it. Does Constitution Hill win this one? Does Love Envoy or you wear it well? Shiskin, even Goshen, he's going to get this probably ground. Not so sleepy is also a decent horse. They're decent horses, but they're up against a really good horse, aren't they? Yeah, and, and ratings tell you that, and uh, you know that we know how good Constitution Hill is. He's rated one seventy-five. Yeah, the horse is like no one fifty. So there's just just the just the twenty-three, twenty-two pounds to fight. Um, yeah. So so off levels. So it's it's no easy task. <laughs> the reality is that if Constitution Hill runs to within ten pounds of his mark, he'll win. Um, he's going to be very hard um, to beat back over two miles on ground that we know he ha handles. Um, I suppose it's just a question of who's going to finish second. Uh, the market tells you it's probably going to be Love Envoy. That might well be right. She's she's effective on bad ground. Uh, it's there's lots to like about her. It's just whether she's ridden to come second or try and beat the favourite. If she tries to take the favourite on, she'll end up 
fully in a hole. I mean, she was very good at Sandown twice last year um, on soft ground. Uh, she stays. Same goes for you wear it well. She's kind of next best in the market. Uh, but she's going to do it hard from the front. She's going to have Constitution Hill lulloping alongside to, to break her heart. It, it's it's not a betting race, if truth be told. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Constitution Hill will win. I think it will win relatively easy. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Shiskin is the one who, who finishes second. You know, on ratings, he's rated the second best of these. Um, he's 14 to 1. You probably get a decent price in the without market come the day. Um, obviously, there's a risk if he doesn't line up, but... I thought he might be the value call against his stable mate. I wouldn't be surprised if they finish one too, but it's it's it'd be a great race to watch. Great to get some of these stars back on track, um, but probably not a huge betting race. Okay, then at one fifty, it's two miles, just shy of two miles on the Chase course, the Henry VIII Novice Chase, which is always a, a good race that provides lots of really good winners that tend to go on and do very well in their future as well. There were six going for this. Now, JPR1 was pretty unlucky at Cheltenham about two, three weeks ago when unseating, when looking like winning the race there, on public eventually won the race after Brendan Powell hit the deck. Everyone was okay. That was good news. And he's back again to fight. On Saturday, you got to Colonel Harry for Jamie Snowden, who could have a really big weekend if he gets a couple of good winners in these kind of races. Paul Nichols has got Iseo in here as well. Unexpected parties also in the lineup. Uh, how did you see this one, the uh, Henry the Eighth? Um, this was a race I previewed earlier on well, in the in the paper on Wednesday, uh, and I went for Colonel Harry, and I still kind of stand by Colonel Harry. Look, J- JPR one was in the process of running them a bit ragged at at Cheltenham and came came a cropper at the last there with with a race in the bag, and look. And having previously won on very bad ground at Newton Abbott, uh, it beat Montvale. So we know the, the the trip's fine, ground's fine. Hadn't really put a foot wrong to that purpose. Deserves to be favourite. Look, it's 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 a it's a really good race. Um, Jamie Snowden obviously hit the headlines last week by, by winning the Coral Gold Cup. Uh, funny, it's like. He, he could be in the headlines again with a, with another Grade One winner here. Well, that wasn't a Grade One, but you know what I mean. Terms of high profile yeah. winner, uh, I just like Colonel Harry. Um, was a nice hurdler last year. Was second in that um, Kelso race, Pinemian Line, uh, that Premier Novices Grade Two. But back back in March, uh, that was a good run. Once the worse the ground, the better. So the the weather forecast is great. If it's pouring rain on Saturday, that's better for him. Made, made a really nice start to his chasing career at Chepstow last month. Look, everything's in, in play for him to run well. He's 4-1 to one with William Hill. I think that's a really fair price. Um, he's won at Sandown before. He's he, he's He's got one below par-ish run. Um, didn't run terrific at Sandown, which is the only kind of niggle in my mind. Um, behind Tamuras in last year's Tolworth, jumped a bit left, but I'm prepared to forgive him that. Back over fences, back on his preferred ground. I think he's going to run really well. I just think he's the value call at fours and you can make cases out for the big ones. Unexpected party, Petit Donner, there's loads of them you can make a case out for, but I like Colonel Harry. I think he's he's the one that will actually relish conditions. And uh, yeah, I can see him running really well. At 225, it's a two mile and it's a handicap hurdle with 12 runners. It's been a good week for JP McManus. Had a couple of 
big winners on the weekend last week, had some in Ireland as well. So he'll be hoping that Impose Toi, Nicky Henderson's yard, comes and does the business again. It's won his last two, one at Ludlow and recently at Cheltenham three weeks ago when he won by two and a quarter lengths over an extended two miles at Jumps HQ. Boxy de Perez comes here for Venetia Williams, having been purchased out of France, won at Linkfield on debut for the New Yard, and Ned Fox claiming five on board is an interesting booking. Spirit Dono is in there for Gary Moore with Niall Hulaman claiming three. He's able to uh, ride, taking over from uh, Jamie, of course, who's still out injured. We wish him well. And the uh, others in there, Punta del Este was due to run last weekend, but it was a non-runner in the end for the Skelton Yard. But it could be going this Saturday. The uh, 2.25 at Sandown, Bill, how did you see this? Well, it's going to be very different ground uh, for Impartois, but I, I was um, at Cheltenham when 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 he won, and look, he's gone up £10, but he, he'd have won with £10 on his back that day. He, he's de- definitely, definitely wasn't a 1-2-1 hurdler, and he's probably not a 1-3-1 hurdler, but I suppose it's just a ground thing with him. Um, is he going to be as effective with with the word heavy in the going? I presume he probably will do. He's, he he he's look in race like this. You traditionally want to try and oppose horses like him, um, but you know when you see he's got a racing weight of 20, 10, 12 off a mark of one three one um, five to two with William Hill. That's fair enough. Um, he's got form on soft ground. Um, you know, he's 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 come from France. He's probably going to be okay on the ground. Uh, he stays. He's one over further, one over two mile five. Just lots to like about him. I think he's still probably ahead of the handicap, but he has to be kind of in the in the kind of mix. Um, I do like Spirit Danu going Moore's horse, um, thirteen to two with Hills. Um, got heavy ground for Matt Sandown, which is a big plus, carrying a big weight, and was just far too keen on his seasonal bow off one two nine. Um he'd be my main shout in the race. Um like I said, thirteen to two um with William Hill seems more than fair enough four places. So I'd play him uh, thirteen to two each way, um hoping he'll settle a bit better and behave himself, but the conditions will be fine. And a bit of a kind of stake saver on Impoitois at five to two because I can see him starting below two to one. And I think he'll um I think he'll go well. Usually on, on this race day, and it's the Tingle Creek chase. It's the big, big race. Of course, there are others with the Fighting Fifth going there as well, having been postponed at Newcastle. But the Grade 1 Tingle Creek over two miles is at 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Now, at the moment, there's a field of five, including John Bond, who's about one to three. He's just won his last three races, and he just looks fantastic, doesn't he? Having won at... Uh, Cheltenham in November, but Edward Stone's in the race, but he's also in the Peterborough on Sunday at Huntington. So, how do we see this race developing? And it, I guess it's not a betting race, is it? Um, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. I, I don't at the time of recording, but <clears throat> we're doing this on Friday morning. We don't know what's definitely going to happen with Edward Stone, but I'd imagine he's going to end up probably going to the Peterborough. If he doesn't, he's got a chance in this race. I mean, Jean Bon was brilliant last time. Um, but again, we're back on 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 potentially bare ground. Uh, I'm looking across the boards, and your kind of best price one to three Jean Bon, and the best price eleven to two Edward Stone. <clears throat> the reality is, I'd <clears throat> I'd rather be with Edward Stone at eleven to two. 
you know, he was brilliant uh, um, going right-handed last year at Sandown, um, mm. won this race, handles background. Uh, look, whether he can, he's got a fair bit to improve to 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 kind of turn that form round with with John Bond, but the ground will help, the the, the track will help. You know, if, if they both turn up, then yeah, yes, Jean Bond will probably emerge the winner. But I don't think it's a a, a one to three, eleven to two kind of race. I th- I, I'd have it much closer. Um, obviously, still in Jean Bond's favour. But yeah, I, I'd be fairly happy taking eleven to two now. Uh, Edward Stone, because I think if they both turn up, the, the gap will be closer. I think you'll be more um, closer to twos on or two to five, Jean Bon, and, and closer to kind of fours, nine to two, Edward Stone. I think it. I think it, 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 like I said, if they do, if they do turn up, um, it'll be a race to savor. The others, look, they're not. It's unfair to say they make up the numbers, but it'll be a big surprise if they're good enough to turn turn over the front two. Um, but I think Eberstone may, may go elsewhere, but I hope they turn up and I would definitely be with Eberstone if he does turn up. Is there any concern about Edward Stone, the way he jumps? He jumped really well winning this race last year at Sandown. He was appalling at, at Kempton. And then he, he just seems a bit laboured behind John Bond at, at Cheltenham. Is it the tracks that, that maybe don't suit him or is he just not jumping as well as he did because... You know, originally, well, as a younger horse, he's, he's nine now, a year or two ago, he, he was jumping brilliantly. He just doesn't seem to have that flair anymore. Any worries there? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought that um, at Sandown 12 months ago, he was brilliant when he obviously won Tingle Creek, and then he unseated yeah. at Kempton and was never the same horse thereafter. It was a bit laboured at Cheltenham on Trials Day. It was woeful, obviously, in the champion chase. But I thought he showed a lot more, more in the Schler chase, uh, travel with more zest. Um, even though he switched off out the back, um, he previously kind of on trials day he he never travelled and he and he definitely travelled around Cheltenham. Um, I think going back the right way, i.e. going back right-handed, Cheltenham being left-handed, um, I think will suit him more. I think the heavy ground will be fine for him. Yeah, I just I just think he's 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 set for for a better run. Whether he can quite close the gap on Jean Bon, I don't know. But I think the combination of going the right way and the tra- and and, and um, the ground will all play to his strengths, and I think he'll just close the gap a bit. And just throwing a curveball at you, if he doesn't go on Saturday, could he win the Peterborough on Sunday instead? I think he, I think he probably would. I, th- yeah. I think that that would be the reason they'd probably do it. You know that it's great to have stars like Jean Bon doing the rounds, but you know you'll suddenly you know there's there's forty grand prize up for grabs over two and a half miles at, at Huntington in what doesn't look the world's best race and then he's 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 in the um in here in a grade one admittedly chasing a much bigger pot um but he gets less for finishing second than winning the peterborough chase so you know maybe maybe it's the right the right route to go but i'd love to see him go to the tingle creek okay one more race at sandown the 335 i don't know what this is going to look like on the day three miles four and a half furlongs london national handicap chase so it's quite a small field of 10 and i don't think that all 10 are probably going to turn up i know you featured this one in your anti-post column in the city am on wednesday so i'll just let you have a word about it. if if your horses are going to run first of all because i'm not i mean they're both declared cyclop and fortescue they're the two that i think you you put up on on wednesday what are your thoughts at this moment yeah i mean my, my, my thoughts are the same as they were on wednesday look this is a really tough race it's three and a half miles Last race on a bumper eight race card in the mud. Uh, you could go, 
you know, it, it's going to be hard work, particularly if it's raining all day. The ground could be pretty horrible this time. Uh, I, I went for Fortescue and Cyclop. I put the risk warnings up. I said, if you if you if you're if you want to gamble and take the 16s, the pair of them before declarations, do it. If you if you're a bit less brave, wait for Thursday and do it because they both hold entries at Chepstow. There is an inspection at Chepstow for 7.30 uh, on tomorrow morning. Uh, so if Chepstow's off, maybe they'll be rescheduled and come here. Maybe they'll come here anyway because they, they'll, they'll be windy of the fact that Chepstow might might not go ahead. The reason I went for them is because they're both proper stayers. Fortescue ran well in the Grand National. Uh, Cyclop ran really well over three miles here. Both will handle bare ground. Um Look, I totally see the top of the market. Fontaine Collange won well first time up last year. Got Ned Fox taking weight off, had the wind up. Does he definitely see out three and a half? Or she she see out three and a half? Um look, if 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 she does, she's um she's gonna be hard to hard to beat. She was very good on her reappearance last year at Haydock off one three two and she's suddenly in here off one three three. So she she, she probably will, but, but there's an extra half mile and it's it's gonna be brutal hard work. You've got horses like Certainly Red. With that, what horse want the ground so bad? Both horses become a bit disappointing. I just thought that I was prepared to take a chance on on those two if they turned up, particularly Cyclop. You know, if you're on at 16, let's hope the chef toes off and it comes here because I think even at the age of 12 can be a player. But it's it's not a great betting race. I felt it always cut up to a single field kind of race, and that's why those two were the value at the big prices. Let's have a look at one race at Aintree. It's at 2.05, three and a quarter miles. It's the Beecher Handicap Chase, Premier Handicap. 14 runners hope to go there over the Grand National Fences. I know you wrote this one up as well in the paper. Percussion is the one you like for Laura Morgan in this one with Harry Reid on board. He was just behind Gaskill uh, over these fences in November, beating a couple of lengths on that occasion. That was a really good run. And Ashtown Land would appear to be the favourite. He's been pulled up on his last two runs for Harry and Dan Skelton, although Tristan Doyle rode last time out when he was pulled up. But he has won at Aintree back in December when he beat Geskill on that occasion. That was uh, December 22 when he won uh, this race last year. So I guess he, he does love the fences, but with horses like the big breakaway, Celebra Dalen in here as well, under supervision, Coco Beach from Gordon Elliott's yard who comes over from Ireland. Looks a pretty competitive race still. Yeah, it really, really does look a competitive race. I mean, I put percussion up earlier in the week, uh, ran really well over the, over these fences in, in, in the Grand Sefton um, here, here last month. Second to Gaskill off 128. is up to 130 here, but look... He, you only have to go back to last year. It was third to Ashdown Lad off the same mark. Um, handles bare ground. Stays like these fences. Look, it's not original, um, but I think the customer's just going to run well around 11 or 2, 6 to 1, potentially. Just just rock solid. Um, does have to run from out the handicap now that Coco Beach runs, which makes life a little bit tougher, if truth be told. But I still wouldn't change my mind. I think it's got the profile to run run really well um looking at the others if there was another bet in the race i'd be half tempted to throw a pound each way on the top one coco beach who you mentioned danny gilligan takes off five pounds for gordon elliott runs off a really high mark off 1662 but uh comes here in in really good form uh one at navin last time taking a fair hike in the weights but just 
you know, many people remember this one running really well in the national two years ago um, behind Noble Yates before Stamina gave away. Just he's one of these horses that gets out in the rhythm and gets into, you know, might, might be take some fair whacking Coco Beach. And I just felt a double figure price. I'd, I'd have him outside. So Coco Beach each way at 10s and percussion each way 11 or 2. That's the way I'd, I'd play the beacher. Well, thanks, Bill. There's a look at the meetings at Sandown and Aintree on Saturday. Big thanks to Wally Pyra for joining us directly from Hong Kong. Have a great day on Sunday. Enjoy the meeting, the race meeting on TV in the UK on Sky Sports Racing, Sandown and Aintree, both on ITV this Saturday as well. That's all from us for today. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back again next week as we take our usual look ahead to the weekend's top racing action. So please make sure you join us then if you can. Don't forget to visit the City AM website for all the latest news and horse racing tips and follow the podcast on Apple Tunes, Spotify, Amazon Music and Stitcher to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released. Have a great weekend. Bye for now. Music.